Ryder Nation and William Powell bringing the energy, bringing the fight, bringing the fire every game day, every practice. Let's go, Ryder Nation. That's the Johnny McKegg Band with Here We Go. This is the Piffles Podcast, your premier Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Alex. I'm Steve. And uh, no Greg yet. He's actually uh, he, he's stuck in Alberta. Again. Oh, he was in Manitoba last time. That, it, it was his fault. Yeah. I agree. I, I don't know. He's going to screw up the Grey Cup somehow being in Alberta, but we'll, uh, that remains to be seen. I hope he does it in epic fashion, like uh, like it happened in two thousand nine. I hope something miserable like that happens this year. <laughs> well, yeah, and yeah, at least it won't be us, right? Hopefully, right, it happens exactly. to Winnipeg. Uh, give us a follow on Twitter at PifflesPod. You can follow me at RealAlexD. You can find me at Safamod. Greg is at Greg on Sports. Give us a like on Facebook as well. Facebook.com slash PifflesPodcast. Check out the Instagram. Search PifflesPod and go to the website PifflesPodcast.com. Piffles Podcast is brought to you by Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Check them out on Skip the Dishes. We're also a proud member of the CFPN, the Canadian Football Podcast Network, and a part of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. I didn't want to talk about a loss this week, but... And that's the show for today. We gotta... So, Riders losing the West Final at home, 20-13 to to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Before we get into, because I could be negative about a lot of things in this game, but I want to throw out the big positive of this. What we saw out of Cody Fajardo playing with two torn oblique muscles in his back, that kid laid it on the line for his teammates, for his team, for the coaching staff, for the fans, for this organization in a game that he probably shouldn't have been playing in. Because I can't imagine how much that would have hurt. And that just solidified everything to me as that guy is our franchise quarterback. If I could sum up my feelings about Cody Fajardo in one gif, it would be Terrell Owens crying, going, that's my quarterback. You cannot ask more out of a guy than what he gave us on the field on Sunday night or Sunday afternoon. He laid every single bit of himself out there. And we still... Two, two torn obliques, and we came down to a dink off the, the crossbar away from a trip to the Grey Cup. What a, <laughs> before we get into a couple of things, th- that final play, what a way for this season. It Kind of fitting that it ended on something like this. This team, 13-5, and five, no one expected them to be that good this year. Everyone, the experts, had them all pegged at last or fourth in the, in the West, maybe might get a crossover spot. No one expected them to finish first. Yeah, they got kind of lucky along the way with uh, injuries and like to other teams, and then obviously the game in Montreal that was shortened by uh, lightning and weather. But it was just kind of fitting that the, a, a season that was so filled with luck ends in the most unlucky way like that. I mean, you can't tell me, especially if you go back a couple plays earlier where uh, Kyran Moore caught the the tip drill pass. At that moment right there, I was planning Grey Cup Sunday watching the riders because that just felt like fate. They were going to do it. And it just, like, if it ended there, I wouldn't have felt bad. It would have been, you know what? We gave it our best. But to get that little tip drill pass and get three more cracks at it and to watch it come down the way it did, 
It was just that extra swift kick in the balls. It hurt, but it's hard to be miserable about this year. It really is. Like like you said, we did not expect this. As much as we like to hype the team and 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 play the homer, there's not a person out there who legitimately predicted the Riders to go 13 and 5 and mean it. And to host a West final. I mean, we've hosted two in 40 plus years. So don't don't give me this crap that you actually expected this. <laughs> like I want to be upset, but what a hell of a game. And and we'll talk about uh, whether the season was successful or not in a little bit, but um, the play calling offensively was offensive. I was offended by the play calling of Stephen McAdoo and the game management by Craig Dickinson. How, this team outcoached themselves again. How do you have a running back like William Powell an injured quarterback who has two torn obliques or two no, two torn muscles in his oblique or whatever you want to say it, and you rush the ball eight times with with William Powell. With, that is a mistake. Now, was he in the doghouse because he had that fumble that led to three points earlier in the game for the Bombers? I think that had something to do with it. But it didn't feel like like rushing the ball was a huge priority at that point anyways. I feel like they that, that was the game plan was like they think especially with Fajardo playing we're going to run the ball we're going to run the ball we're going to run the ball let's surprise them let's throw the ball. It didn't feel like Cody Fajardo threw for 350 yards whatever he threw for. Ooh. It didn't feel like he did, but he did. Oh, cuz all of it was in the third and fourth quarter again. Can we just play every game next year? Just just simulate to halftime like you did as a kid on Madden. <laughs> like what a oh. My biggest issue with McAdoo's play calling was when you get down to the three-yard line, why are you going shotgun or, or on the one-yard line? Why are you going shotgun? I agree with bringing Brian Bennett in. I don't. See, and I'm for that, but he's your short yardage guy, right? Like that, That's why I'm for bringing, bringing him in. And if you want to rush him outside, the, great. But that also, the O-line was beat up. Left tackle was out, so they had Philip Blake playing left tackle, a guy who's not normally there. They had uh, Manny Arsenal wasn't in, or, or somebody else wasn't in. So, like it, the the whole package just wasn't right. And so why why take that package that's already you know down a few players and take out a quarterback who just marched you down the damn field? Well, why are you going shotgun? That that is there's no excuse for they that. They give you a yard. They're they're standing. The Winnipeg defense is on the goal line. Just jump over. Fall in the end zone. Fall forward. How That's many cracks all they had to do? Ten cracks from inside. Was it ten or eight? Eight cracks from inside the the Something ten like yard line in the fourth quarter, and we came away with zero th- with three. Oh yeah, that's embarrassing. And that's that's the difference. We win that game with one touchdown. Don't even get me started on the stupid decision to to give up a single at the end of the first half. You know what? If you're going to give up the single, fine. Then use your timeout before. Use it. your timeout to no. When they were driving down at the end of the first half, use your timeout. No, use the timeout the play before with 40 seconds left and save yourself because all we need is one one more play there because well, we were in field goal range. It didn't matter where they had the play or had the timeout. Like just just one of those couple plays, just just do it. You know, and and, and that's happened to Craig Dickinson multiple times yep. this year. He is absolutely terrible. I get it. He's a special teams coach by trade, and this is his first year as a head coach. But this is just basic, basic stuff for a head coach. This is simple game management that that cost us. Between him and McAdoo, the players performed. 
the players played there. I mean, there. they still had to execute, and, and there was a lot of missed That shotgun plays, snap. But it was a, it was a it Either was a William team. Powell or, or Brian Bennett, I'm going to guess, based on reaction, it was William Powell. One of them messed up. Yeah. But, I mean, again, I, I don't want to get too negative because it, it's really weird to come out of a West Final loss and really feel upbeat almost. Like, it's almost unnatural. Charleston Hughes played with a broken arm. What a beast. You know, it explains a lot, but, you know, to go out there and put on a put on that jersey one more time and broken arm and all, he gave it all, his all that game. Did he fall into Zach Laros on purpose? No. Not a chance. Yes, he did. No, he didn't. He knew exactly what no. he was doing. He embellished that. Yes, he got pushed by Stanley Bryant while he was kind of on his way down to the ground already. He did get pushed. He embellished it. He went harder into Claros than he should have. And it was a great play call like it, by, by the ref on the flag. Oh, the it flag was absolutely was, a you flag. You have to throw that flag. You hit him below the knees that regardless of accident I'm not going to say it's dirty, but that was pretty cheap. See, and I, I look at it the other way. If Because if you look at the arm that hits the ground, that's the one with the brace. That's got to be the one he broke. You put your full weight down on your arm. What's your first instinct going to be? How? Push off and get away from the arm. And that's what he did. I don't, I can't see him. He, he doesn't have any kind of history the of way the, that, that the kind way of that play. He flipped his body into Caleros. To me, it looked he like knew, a guy getting off his arm. He knew what he was doing. He embellished it. He, I think he was honestly trying to draw a flag. But he embellished it. He knew what he was doing. I'm not going to chastise him too much because they did. We'll just say that was the the makeup call for not getting the horse collar tackle there by uh, <laughs> Marshall on on the same play. Yeah, yeah. And the call was right. He hit him below the knees. I don't think it was intentional, but I feel like we could argue back and forth <laughs> on that one for an entire episode and that, never change each that other's minds. Replay that that just those three plays. Winnipeg scored 107 yards. That was the game right there. And they hit the big long play. They got another, uh, another couple, or another first down after that. And then they hit the touchdown pass to Kenny Lawler. That was the game. That Riders was defense really only gave out two plays, and they were both on that drive. And that's what yeah. cost them. If you look back at that game, and we keep hearing how great Zach Caleros was that game, he was average. He hit four or five good plays. And the rest was just typical game management stuff, which works. Not going to knock the guy for it. It was it was solid play. They really didn't run the ball that well. Nope. Chris Strebler was terrible. Well, yeah, they they did exactly what you'd expect. Literally every time he was in, he ran the ball. They they they, and I hope they try it again this week because that's two weeks in a row. Hamilton's going to come prepared for that too. But we held Andrew Harris to what was it eight rushes for forty yards, something in that in that range. It was an okay average, but yeah. it wasn't. Mind-blowing. Yeah, and he had one good run, and the rest were, eh. Like, the defense played well enough that we should have won. And the offense, to me, between the 10s, when did Trevor Harris and Jason Moss become our head coach or our <laughs> quarterback and offensive coordinator? Because yeah, between the 10s, we were great. Couldn't finish. The, the trick punt return by Nick Marshall. Oh. I, I want to go back to this. They almost pulled off what the St. Louis Rams perfected a few years ago against Seattle. Now, when that punt, like when they were lining up, I saw Nick Marshall just kind of sneaking back, sneaking back. I was like, what? I said to Amy, I'm like, what the hell is Nick Marshall doing? Like, is he like just starting to go back early? And then Medlock kicks it. And I saw it was going right to his side. 
And smart by Thigpen, they executed it perfectly. He ran to the sideline on the other, other side. Medlock, I don't know what he was doing. He wasn't looking at his kick because he went the other way. He's the one guy that should know where it is. And, and Marshall brought it back, and it was brilliant, brilliantly executed. Great play by, uh, I think it was Goche, ended up making the, the saving tackle. And I just want to call out uh, Chevrier for, for running, by a, running block. by a block and celebrating before it even got there. Because guess what? We didn't score after the, on that drive. So You know, that, you right know why there. that play worked? Because every bedlock punt that entire day was across the field. He was not kicking directly to the returner. He was kicking it, you know, at an angle away from the guy, making him run to it. That's why that's why Marshall was able to back up because they knew where it was going. How that works and how you can't great play call from the from the riders. Great return by Marshall, like you said. Uh, who was it that missed the block? Chevrier? Chevrier. Terrible. Again, one the little execution on a couple of plays throughout the game were the were the difference. But if you want to be a championship team, you got to make those plays. And, we didn't. And that's. I mean, this is really a team that's together for the first, you know, the first full year together with this head coach, with this quarterback, with a lot of these players as well, too. So there's a lot to be looking forward to in 2020, assuming that a lot of these guys are back, and we'll talk about that in just a second. The opening kickoff here presented by Kathy Festion of Royal LePage, Regina Realty. Check out her Facebook page, Kathy Festion, Royal LePage. Sucks that it happened against the Bombers. Two straight years. I said it before. They they keep winning all the big games at, at Mosaic. First first regular season, first playoff game, first West Final, the Heritage Classic. I swear to God, if they're in the Grey Cup next year, I'm just burning that building to the ground. Yeah, that's not going to happen. That, yeah. Nope. No thanks. Nope. Let's uh, get... Do you have anything else to say about the game? What else can you say? Kudos to the crowd for, for showing up and making noise. That, that was, place was loud. That was the best crowd that this stadium has had easily that was a beautiful stadium on the flip side shut up when we're on offense especially in that inside the 10 oh i want to give props to the guy that was four rows ahead of me screaming his head off at mcadoo what the bleep are you bleeping doing that guy was my spirit animal i was not (laughs) saying that out loud that guy was doing it enough for me there was a kid in front of me i didn't want to swear good job guy four rows in front i was like um i said to amy like that's me right now that guy is me so good for you buddy Yep. But uh, yeah, no, good Good on the crowd. You guys were loud and uh, bring that every game next year. Yeah, that was that was fantastic. It really was. Regardless of what Eric Rogers says on Twitter, a crowd like that changes a game. And, I, and Mosaic, when they're on, changes a game. So shut up, Eric Rogers. Well, let's uh, move on here. Let's get to our Churchill Brewing Company odds and end zones. And we're going to bring in Greg for this one. So, uh, Greg, how you doing? I am stuck in a hotel room in Edmonton. How do you think I am? Um, pretty good. That's better than Winnipeg, but that's not saying much. That's a pretty low bar. Yeah. But let's be honest, I'm here on assignment on Moss Lodge. And? He's still, he's still a coach. Good. I hope yeah. he stays uh, stays there for a long, long time. So do I. <laughs> now, as you mentioned, we bring you in for the uh, Churchill Brewing Company's odds and end zones. The Riders' free agent list, holy crap, brought out by uh, Justin Dunk of Three Down Nation. Basically, everybody you can think of except for Cody Fajardo and William Powell is on that list as a free agent. Um, Jordan Williams Lambert, too. Yeah. So you look at it, there's you know Marcus Thigpen, Keenan LaFrance, Manny Arsenault, Shaq Evans, Naaman Roosevelt, 
They're usually deck. Philip Blake, Dan Clark, Kobe Cofield, Thaddeus Coleman. That's basically your entire offense right there. The entire starting defensive line from the from the playoff game here. Your three starting linebackers, almost all your defensive backs, and your uh, overrated punter. What? That, was always the, that was always the problem with Jones's team, the way it was assembled. He got all those young guys, and they were going to be good. Problem is, all, the, all their contracts end at the same time. And when you get these one-year deals that are uh, famous in the CFL now, it's it's. I mean, you're going to have this a lot, and every team's going to have this issue. It's not just a rider thing. And the problem is, though, the, it, usually it's the veterans on those one-year deals. But now we've got like our we got those three young receivers that are all up. We've got Darius Bladek up. We've got all these guys like Moncrief is gone. Um, Judge says he's going to test the NFL. Like you got all these good young core. Where a couple of years ago you could like stagger them, but right now they're they're all done at once. Hopefully, Jo can get a couple of them signed. It's now, it's really scary to take a look at that that depth chart from that playoff game and just cross out the names of people that might not be here next almost year. Almost literally everybody. Now, Greg, you mentioned the uh, the NFL shots, and who really realistically who gets an NFL shot from the Riders? Steve, Shaq Evans, Derek Moncrief. End of list. Not Cam Judge. I don't think so. I don't think he has a, a long enough resume to to really earn that shot quite yet. It took Singleton how many years of of consecutive uh, quality starts to get that look. He does. He does have the uh, the school pedigree though, so possible. But I think he, I think we get him for one more contract, and then he may uh, he may end up down south. Greg, I think I think he gets a look. I think he's gonna. It's going to depend on if he wants to be a camp body. If he wants to be a camp body, he's going to go and he's going to test his options, and then he'll kick the tires back at the at the CFL. But I, I definitely think he's going to take a hard, deep hard look at it. Well, he'd be stupid not to, just for the the paycheck anyway. Derek Moncrief, I think we can all agree, is definitely going to get a shot. Well, see, pre Labor Day, Derek Moncrief was a shoe in. Whatever happened after the weather turned, I have no idea where he disappeared to. I'm not saying he was terrible, but beginning of the season, he was my favorite for Defensive Player of the Year for the Riders. And then all of a sudden, he just stopped. So I don't get it. Well, a lot of the time, he's covering you know, the best receivers in the league. And if you don't hear his name, that's a good thing, right? I, don't know, I suppose. All right. Well, that that's going to be something that we're going to dig deep into in the off season. Uh, but, Greg, while we still have you here right now, Player of the Year Awards, do any of the riders win this week? Cody Fajardo, Craig Dickinson, or Cam Judge? I honestly think Cam Judge is the best shot. I'd love to see Cody win, just because playing with two obliques, you should put him over. I've already seen Hamilton Ticat fans talk about Western bias, which cracks me up about Cody Fajardo. Um, but I think the best shot is uh, Judge. Unfortunately, Ticats winning 15 games kind of kills Dickinson's momentum, even though he did an amazing job. I mean, I said it the same last week. It, it, the only real award I think we have a legitimate shot at, not a correct shot, but a legitimate shot, is is Cam Judge. I think if you look at uh, Fajardo's performance throughout the year, he should be up there, but, you know, Eastern bias, what are you going to do? No, uh, let's do some uh, Piffles questions presented by Underdogs Memorabilia. Um, Jason Moss, where does where does he end up? Greg, you're there. You're on on Moss Watch. 
I honestly think we are going to get the CFL version of Vigneault, Tortorella. I, I think Campbell and Moss are changing teams. Moss to Ottawa, hey? Whoa, that's a, that's a bold prediction. I would love to see that with how the the Red Blacks absolutely just kind of like fell off this year, and now you're going to get a coach like Hothead Moss in there? Ooh, that's a... Uh, does anybody really want to go to Ottawa, though, when Marcel Desjardins is probably going to get fired? I, I saw a tweet earlier today, or it might have been yesterday, where there was a source from a guy who said, I want to be a head coach, but I'm not going to Ottawa, because that's a three-year three year rebuild, they said, and if they don't perform, Desjardins is gone next year, and he's going to bring in his own guy. The next GM is going to bring in his own guys anyways. I don't think they're going to get a, a decent guy in, in Ottawa, and I don't think they get Jason Moss. I don't think they even look at Jason Moss. It's going to depend on money and term because don't forget, CFL's got that stupid management cap now. So if they they uh, end up firing Desjardins and have a coach in place, they need to basically hope that they don't overspend and have to change an entire coaching staff. GMs just can't come in and hire the coach they want anymore. And if you're if you're a head coach, are you going to a, a situation like Ottawa? And and like especially a guy like Jason Moss who's coming off of a disappointing couple of years, do you really want to take a look at at that as your next job to try and rebuild your resume, or do yeah, you go back to BC where you where you are familiar with the starting quarterback, and and a team that looks like they could actually be on the rise? I think though it also buys you some breathing room though. Because basically, whoever goes into Ottawa next year, it's it's a write-off, right? Everyone knows the team has nothing in the bank, and you got a lame duck GM. And anything that happens is going to be on the GM. Desjardins is pretty much as good as fired next year, unless somehow they make the Great Cup. Which in the East isn't out of the question. <laughs> exactly. Did uh, did Mike O'Shea save his job by winning the West Final? I don't think he was actually in any doubt of being fired. I think. Thank you. Everyone was talking about how Mike O'Shea is, if he doesn't get to the Grey Cup, he's out in Winnipeg. Why? He, he was never getting no, fired. He was leaving, if anything. No. That's what I'm saying, too. He, they've been trying to get him locked up for a year now, and he's refused to sign an extension. So I'm wondering if he wants out. Because why wouldn't you? You've got the most complete team in the league. We hear it every friggin' year. You've got, you got one of the best running backs in the league when he's not suspended for taking drugs. Uh, you got a strong defense. Of course, I did. You got a you got a strong defense. Don't forget the so, stadium assisted crowd noise. Well, sir, no, it's it's the loudest CF, uh, the CFL's loudest stadium assisted fans. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So you have all that working for you. Um, so why not stay? Like they're they're legit. Like all they had until they signed Claris, who learned the twenty fifteen again was a game manager and a running back at quarterback. And they were in the in the hunt for first until the tail end of the season. So why not sign that extension? I think he wants out. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him in Toronto. Him and Pinball would be a fun pair. I kind of like that. Although I want to see Pinball and Jason Moss. <laughs> the, not going to happen, but the, that'd be glorious. The speeches they would have in the oh, locker. Man. Really quick, guys. Um, do Ryder fans really want Winnipeg to win the Grey Cup, or do we want to keep the 1990 joke running that was sent to us by the guy who has to join the Duran Carter Kiss My Ass Club? What Ryder fan in their right mind wants Winnipeg to win a goddamn Grey Cup? 
We need that 1990. I don't even care about the 1990 or anything. They're are they're the division rival. Who cheers for a Western team? People want to keep the keep it in the West. That's I don't get it. Stupid. That that I've never. It's the same thing happens in the NHL when the last Canadian team is like I could give two monkey craps about Ottawa if they make the Stanley Cup final. I could care less about Montreal. I I don't care about cheering for the Western team. I want the best team to win, and right now that best team to win is Hamilton. I I never care about the best team to win. If the Riders don't win, I want the East, East team to win every time. Could you imagine a Pittsburgh Penguin fan going, "Well, we're out. I hope Philadelphia wins the Stanley Cup." Yeah, no thanks. No. That is just as ridiculous as hoping Winnipeg wins. I mean, I hope for some of their fans that they get some joy. Sure. I like some of their fan base. But that I want to see that W logo actually physically turn into an L. 2011, BC and Winnipeg. Nickelback is your halftime show. I was cheering for an arena fire, a stadium fire. <laughs> I mean, I wanted everyone to get out safely. That, I just, I, I wanted nothing to do with that game. The Riders' rivalry with BC that year, like that, that kind of died off in 06 after, you know, once it really became Calgary, that was our biggest rival. But uh, I mean, I, I wanted BC to win that one, I guess, just because I wanted Winnipeg to lose more. Um, we got one more question here for, for this week on the Pivots podcast. The 2019 Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan Rough Riders season as a whole. Is this a successful season, Steve? Absolutely. Why? It's because, not they be, didn't they didn't win. They didn't win the Grey Cup. You're not going to win the Grey Cup every year. We're talking about a fan base that has won 4 of them in 100 <laughs> plus years. If that's your goal to have a successful year, we are the worst fan, franchise in sports history not named the Chicago Cubs. Okay? No, the, to me a successful season is going above and beyond expectations. We started this year with uh, no head coach, a new GM, new offensive or defensive coordinator, a whole bunch of new people. Our starting quarterback was hurt three games into this or three plays into the season. We were expected to finish fourth, fifth. Even we as homers weren't predicting first or second. To finish first in the West and be a, again a dink off the crossbar away from a berth in the Grey Cup is a successful year, and I will fight anybody who disagrees. Greg, this is your chance to disagree because uh, you're not physically here. Yeah, I honestly, well, it's like I'm scared of Steve. First <laughs> of all, let, let's clear that up. I'm not scared of Steve. <laughs> Easy to say that from yeah, 600 exactly, kilometers right? away. Wuss. <laughs> Careful. But but really, though, like this season was a great season. Like, agree with Steve a little bit here. They Everyone expected them to be, like, dead last, uh, especially after Claros went down. No one knew what the hell they had. And they they went above and beyond. Once again, this team found a way to keep moving on and keep on winning games. So yes, it's a very successful season. Claros was yeah. the band aid going into this season. The one spot that really would hinder this team going into this season was that quarterback position. They shorted up. They found their guy. They have him extended for two more years. They found another young quarterback from Lord knows where the Colorado School of Mines actually is. My neighbor, by the way, <laughs> that looks One of the like the best quarterback schools out there. That looks like he has a future in this league as well. Clearly, he's still pretty green and raw, right? But there's he, there's lots of room for for improvement, and and he's already shown quite a bit already. 
absolutely, this is 100% a successful season. I, I looked at the beginning of the year, and I'm going to go back and find this for next episode, but uh, we said before this season, think of this season as 2012. We know we're getting the Grey Cup next year. Let's just build up towards next year. We're really playing for next year, and that's exactly what 2012 was. They overachieved. They almost won a playoff game when they were 8-10. and 10. We were, uh, what, a Greg Carr almost uh, won us a playoff game until, what was it, Drew Tate kind of ruined that for us. But that's what this is. They found their 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 future quarterback going into a Grey Cup season next year, and absolutely, definitely a successful season. You know, you know how low the expectations are for this season when Rod Peterson doesn't take the Riders to go first. <laughs> he doesn't get paid to to say that anymore. So you're killing my argument. <laughs> um, well, let's move on, Steve. The CFL tweet of the week. Full disclosure, this isn't from Twitter this time. Does it really count as, as Tweet of the Week? This one does. I mean, it's hard to argue with this one. This is, I, I love when you can take a, a knock at your own team after a, after a game like that. This goes out to Kelly McMurrich from the uh, Rider Fans Unite group on, uh, on Facebook. This is a post-game in the Rider locker room. Well, tough loss, guys. What do you want to do now? I need a drink. Let's hit the bar. Oh, crap. Sorry, Cody. <laughs> I I love that kind of stuff. Just that little Hashtag the too, too soon, soon jokes are perfect. Yeah, that was pretty funny. The other one in the running, um, we got to meet him at uh, Banjo Bowl. UK Bomber tweeted, it was just a picture of the uprights with the boycott average the uh, necklace hanging below it. And I thought, you know what? Beautiful. Way better than the uh, attempted... Doritos uh, knock that was used against Calgary last week. See, it was funny. That one was funny against Calgary because it had Bully by Mitchell on it, and they're red. You can't have a nacho flavor on green. Yeah, that just didn't make sense. It was stupid. You can get guacamole. Yeah, like, but like, guac your year. Like, I don't know what kind of pun there is for that. Yeah, they can guac <laughs> off. Yeah, basically. Anyway, that uh, that uh, Facebook comment that was. Hilarious. There's oh. been some good ones coming out of out of that loss. Rider Nation doesn't seem that mad. No, we're really not upset, and we just talked about it because we found our franchise quarterback. It's well, just can we talk. Can we talk about how petty though the Calgary fans are? Not even their fan, their players. Well, that too. Like it's it's not even like yeah okay yeah we lost to the Bombers. So did you. What's your what, what's the point? Like, yeah, we made it a week further than you. Like Eric yeah. Rogers and uh, and Derek Dennis are going off on Twitter. It's like, you guys, you got destroyed the week before. Yeah, at least it, we didn't get our asses handed to us. We lost by one score. I, I've never understood beaking after you've been eliminated, but I mean, it's whatever feeds them for next year, I guess. Well, remember, it's Calgary against the world. Nobody ever believes in them. The team that's always in the freaking Grey Cup or West <laughs> Final. Nobody ever believes in them. They don't know what to do with getting eliminated that early. Yeah, they missed one West final in how many years? And it's like, oh, poor us. You know, this is the first Grey Cup coming up since 2013 that doesn't have either Calgary or Ottawa in it. Calgary or Ottawa in it. And it's so nice. Great. It's so refreshing. God, that's weird. You know what stat I liked reading? Uh, on, on the same, on a, actually on an opposite uh, you know, wavelength from that. This if the whoever wins this week, the the losing team will be the only team that has not won a Grey Cup in the 2010s. That means eight teams 
have won a Grey Cup between two thousand one and or two thousand ten and two thousand nineteen. That's incredible. Yeah, in ten seasons. Especially when you look at how how good Calgary was for so much of that stretch. Eight different teams. Just them in Toronto, only multiple time winners. And I hope that Winnipeg gets to uh, carry that streak a little longer because it'd be nice to go nineteen ninety to twenty twenty. But well, know. let's just, just an even thirty. That's all I ask. Even thirty. Well, let's talk about it. It's the Tallgrass Apparel Grey Cup preview. We have the Drought Bowl nineteen ninety versus nineteen ninety nine. That one just doesn't roll off the tongue a little bit. You can play. You know, if Hamilton wins, they could play Prince nineteen ninety nine. That that'll be like their their championship song. What about Willennium? Uh, that was Will Two K. Yeah, it's not oh, really a Two K kind of thing. So, nah, good song though. But this game, Winnipeg Hamilton, Simone Lawrence versus Zach Caleros. Does anything happen there in this one? The fir- no. First game versus the last game. Talk talk about bookending a season, right? Simone Lawrence has has apparently already reached out to Zach Caleros. There was an apology. There was, you know, it was from six months ago. It was one hit in the course of thousands of hits throughout the year. I can't say, and it wasn't even, Caleros isn't even on the same team, so his guys aren't going to get fired up protecting a guy from a hit that didn't happen when they were there. I, I don't, I don't I, see I don't it being a big deal. I don't think it's anything's going to happen on the bomber side. Like you said, it's, it's not the same, not not the same anger, so to speak. I'm worried about Simone holding up. I don't think he is because he's a pro, but that's got to be in his head. He, see, he sees Claros, and he's got nothing but daylight. Is he going to put the brakes on just a little bit? No, he doesn't seem like the guy that uh, that that'll let up any chance he gets. Now we talked about uh, this last week. Hamilton probably being the most underrated 15 and three team of all time. You got. Uh, you know, a veteran quarterback at Zach Claros. He got essentially a rookie quarterback in Dane Evans. This is, uh, I just, I just find that Hamilton just, they're so deep. They're so good that if there's, I mean, I'm going to give full props to Winnipeg. They absolutely deserve to be in the great cup with the two playoff games that they did play. They dominated Calgary. And then they came into uh, the loudest mosaic stadium that has ever been. And they won. They did enough to win. They, I don't, I wouldn't argue that they were the better team, but they absolutely deserve to win that game. But this is this is a tough, tough thing for for me to call because you do have a, a quarterback without that experience, but he just beat an experienced quarterback last week in Trevor Harris. This is just a really interesting game to me. I always kind of chuckle when people talk about quarterbacks beating each other. They're not physically playing against each other; they're playing against the other defense. Yeah, like Manning is- Manning versus Brady. Yeah, exactly. And Brady was won that one, so I wasn't worried about it anyway. Eh, but, not, not in Super Bowl 50. You shut up. <laughs> I, uh, I get one. I get one, Greg, okay? That's my one. But, so, Hamilton's got a really good defense. They they know what they're dealing with with Zach Caleros, and they know that Strebler's gonna, not, not going to throw the ball, so I, I'm sure they're going to be fine. I Honestly, I think this is going to be fairly lopsided in favor of the Ticats. I don't think it's even going to be that close. You want you want to talk about disrespecting a fifteen and three team? The CFL simulation came out again today on was the Grey Cup. Sixty four percent, sixty four percent for Winnipeg to win. And somebody, I think it was Josh Smith, and I was just bringing it up here, tweeted out the the different um, criteria that they have, and it's 
The model considers the following. Win-loss record, opponents played, margin of victory, remaining opponents, most recent results. How do you go through all of those things and still predict Winnipeg as the favorite? I mean, Edmonton, or Hamilton has lost three games. They've lost, what, they've been won 14 of their last 16 or something ridiculous like that. Like, they've, they're on a tear, including two wins over Winnipeg. And no yet one's talking here we about are. them. No. But also, that simulation, depending on how many games they go back, the last two games they played are against teams that barely had winning records. So it's not really, like... <laughs> that, yeah. that simulation, as much as we enjoyed, like, touting how it had the riders, like, number one all the time, it's it, it's fun math. It's, a, it's, a, it's an illusion. It's a magical trick. And it's, it, it's, it's there to get the fans talking, which it works really well because you usually get at least one fan base fired up about it but i just just by the eye test hamilton's a better team than winnipeg record proves it so who's gonna be the player of the game <laughs> simone lawrence uh, <laughs> very possible i i think it's gonna go to dane evans actually as much as easy would be to give it to brandon banks i think dane evans is gonna go off yeah and if then, i actually then hamilton's gonna have trouble to decide what they're gonna do with mazzola Cameron Marshall, former rider, he's going to be the player of the game. Oh, going going off the board on that one, a little bit. I would love to see that. Can I can I can I make a, a substitute with Jagarid Davis? He's going to get something like four sacks on Zach Caleros and uh, top that list. Hamilton's D line is no joke. Yeah. No, it's I I would actually pick if I had to make a choice. Brandon Banks would be my choice. So I'll pick somebody different than you guys. All right, and uh, Grey Cup, pick them. Our final one of the season. And Greg, will uh, before we let you go here, uh, who wins? Who wins the Grey Cup? You kind of already alluded to it. Let's just get it on uh, on record now. Oski wee wee. Oski wawa. Tiger Cats. Holy Mackinac. Ah, damn. See, I'm I'm I've only been a Tiger Cats fan for like 36 hours. Okay. If there's any Tiger Cats fans that have any of those extra like those Oski wee wee mfers shirts, gimme. I will wear one all week. In, in Calgary. Please give me that shirt. I will wear it. I am fully on board. I will, uh, yeah, give me your, your black and gold. Sure, I'll wear it. I don't care. If you see me around, around Grey Cup, if I'm not wearing a Kevin Glenn jersey, I'll be wearing a, a Podsky Wee Wee shirt. Uh, we'll get to the the Wandering Glens in a second. So, Greg, you're picking Hamilton. Steve? I, I, Hamilton. I'm behind, I'm behind Hamilton like a snap to Henry Burris. <laughs> <laughs> 2013 nice. was great. I, I got to make one shot at Hamilton. And uh, I'll obviously take Hamilton here as well. Uh, so, G- Steve, the Wandering Glens, you're going to be a part of this. Tell everybody what's going on. So if you're going to Calgary for Grey Cup, you're going to see a bunch of losers. I mean, I'm, I, yeah. I include myself in that group of losers as well, too. But um, all wearing Kevin Glenn jerseys. If if you're an NHL fan, you've had to have heard of the traveling Yagers, guys who go from uh, a bunch of different games that when Yager was still playing in the NHL, rocking his different jerseys from the teams he's been with. And that list grew year after year after year as he moved around the league. Kevin Glenn has been on every one of these teams in the CFL, all nine teams, since he started his career. In yes, some form. Yes, he never played with Toronto or Ottawa, but he was under contract by both of those teams. So members of the uh, Canadian Football Podcast Network decided we're going to get together and form the Wandering Glens. So you're going to see us at a bunch of events this year. All of us rocking uh, some fun, colorful wigs and Kevin Glenn jerseys, and and Glenn himself is really pumped about it. He was uh, he 
was giving us a thumbs up on Twitter, and he's uh, he's been aware of this plan for a while. Is he going to be there? I, I haven't heard, well, but I, I hope, hope so. so. That'd, That'd be, be great. great. <laughs> we spend way too much time <laughs> together. That was a little creepy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, and I'm over here in Amazon going, okay, time for me to put my resignation letter in. You guys are freaking me out. <laughs> That's what happens. You leave, and we have to talk to each other for three weeks straight. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. Uh, that's pretty much going to wrap it up here, Greg. So uh, thanks for joining us this week. I know you're uh, super, super busy in Edmonton. Tell me about it. (laughs) All right. Well, that's going to do it for us this week here on the Piffles Podcast. Our, maybe our second last show of the year. We're not, uh, not entirely sure, but. uh, That's sad. What a ride this season was for the Riders. Nine straight wins at one point. Do you remember after the Hamilton game to start the year when we were all just down because we thought this season was just done right then and there. And then to just, so much just to ride up all the way up to the top only to come crashing down in and typical Saskatchewan fashion. And like you mentioned, it didn't feel like we were crashing down. No. Like it didn't, this doesn't feel like a huge loss because everyone's so upbeat about it. I've left regular season games more upset oh, yeah. than I was at the end of that West final. I just kind of went, huh, I guess this year's over. Weird. And walked picked up my stuff from the tailgate and went home. Yeah. Watched a movie with my family and that was it. That was, what a great year. It really was. And next year we got the Grey Cup here in Regina and uh, we'll have uh, some some special plans for that. But that's for next year. We're still going to be back next week to talk about the Grey Cup itself as well. But uh, until then, that's going to do it for us this week here on the Piffles Podcast. Check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash Podcast. Give us a follow on Twitter. At Piffles Pod, give me a follow at Real Alex D. Yeah, if you want to follow me, I'm at Safamod. And Greg is on there. Greg is at Greg on Sports. Check us out on Instagram. Just search Piffles Pod. And of course, the website, pifflespodcast.com. Piffles Podcast is brought to you by our great friends at Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Special thanks as well to Kathy Festion of Royal LePage Regina Realty, Tallgrass Apparel, Churchill Brewing Company, and Underdogs Memorabilia for their support to make this show possible. Piffles Podcast is a proud member of the CFPN, the Canadian Football Podcast Network. If you're out at Grey Cup, make sure you check us out. Find us all there because we'll have uh, trading cards to give away. I'm so excited to actually get to hand some out this year. It's Western week or Western year themed. So I can't wait to see how those those turned out. I haven't seen them yet. So I'm looking forward to uh, getting my share uh, this weekend. And of course, we're a part of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network as well. As we leave you, this is Ghost Behind Your Mind by Tyler Gilbert. The Ghost.